Brandon, great to be with you. Um, you know, this week I had a really unusual thing happen. I read the news and I was encouraged. Um, and I don't remember the last time that's happened, but I, I read a story that just, just blew me away. And, and maybe you read this story. It came out of, came out of China uh, this week and it's gone viral on a lot of different platforms, but it's a story uh, about a man named Guao Gongtong and his wife. And 24 years ago, here's, here's kind of the cliff notes of the story. 24 years ago, uh, they had one son who was two and a half years old and he was playing out in front of their house. And while was at work and his wife had to go inside for something real quick, she goes inside and comes back and their son is missing. Uh, as she had been inside, a couple walked by, saw him there by the gate, picked him up, kidnapped him, took off. So Guile's wife called him. He comes home just heartbroken. And they began to do what you know, any parents would do if your kids went missing. You know, they printed up pictures of their son. This is a picture of Guile with his two and a half year old son. And he just started getting on every news station that he could get on, every newspaper, printing up pictures. A day became two days, became three days, became a week, became a month. He decided, he's like, you know, there is nothing else in my life that matters except for my son coming home. And so he bought a motorcycle and he printed up a picture of his son and put the son's story on this flag and put it on the back of his motorcycle. And he systemically looked at the, the country of China, which is huge, if you know anything about China, 34 provinces. And he decided that he was gonna map out China and just street by street, block by block, he was gonna leave no stone unturned until he found his son. And so one year became two, became three, became five, became 10, became 20. He's, he's looking for a son. In fact, uh, it's just dead end after dead end. Multiple times he was robbed, uh, wrecked his motorcycle. All sorts of difficult things happened to him. At one point he became suicidal. He's just so heartbroken about his son being gone. But, but this father's love for his missing son like uh, went, went all across China. People saw this father's love and they're so stirred by it started picking up the cause with them, started looking, and in the process, they started finding all of these other missing kids. In fact, in 2013, in China, they made a movie about his life, just the, the tragic uh, and yet beautiful reality of a father's love, just, just searching for his kid. A week ago, after 10 motorcycles and traveling 311,000 miles, 24 years later, Guao found his son. <laughs> 26 years old. This is a picture of him hugging his son for the first time, and I saw it this week. I'm just telling you, the best two minutes you'll spend of your life, like, like go online this week, watch the video of Guao and his wife embracing his son for the first time, and I, I'm just telling you, it just like wrecked me. Just like still looking at this picture just, just wrecks me. 24 years of searching, of looking, of, of longing for, for his, his son to come home and, and he finds them. I mean, can you imagine, like, can you imagine like what this, this moment would have been like, all the, all the heartache, all the tears, all of, all of the joy, all of the, like just all of the emotions that you would feel in, the, in this moment. You know, when I saw the, the picture this week, I thought, you know, if someone were to come up and to say, Dave, you've got to sum up the whole story of the Bible in one modern picture, what would the picture be? <laughs> and I went, I think it might be this. A dad that was willing to stop at nothing until his kid came home. It, it's a picture of the father's love 
But, it, but it's also a picture of what it means to be a person embraced and secured and sent out by the Father's love. You know, they say a picture is worth a thousand words. Your Bible that you hold, depending on the translation, has 784,000 words in it. And I went, this is a picture that is worth at least 784,000 words. Like, what is the Father heart of God towards you and you and you and you and every person that you're gonna meet this week? And I thought, man, what would it have been like to have been Guao? But the, the, the thing that began turning in my heart this week is what would it have been like to have been his son? He didn't even know that he had been kidnapped. He was taken when he was so young, didn't even know he was missing. But there's this one incredible moment of revelation where he realized that, that he was the, the center of so much pursuit, of so much love, of so much intensity. You know, if you've been with us this summer, each week we've just been talking about, okay, what does it look like quite practically to live as a disciple of Jesus, to live as a follower of Jesus, not just somebody that shows up at church, not just somebody that's managing your behavior or your morality or faking out people in your small group or your house church, your discipleship group, but like, what does it look like to practically live as a follower of Jesus? And I kept looking at this picture this week going, man, to be a follower of Jesus means we are people that are living not just for the Father's love, not just in the Father's love, but we are people that are living from the Father's love. That we are living from this revelation of intense pursuit, crazy, <laughs> illogical, incomparable love. That no matter what you think about yourself, feel about yourself, no matter what your earthly father modeled or did not model, that you have been in the heart of God long before you ever breathed into existence. And as disciples of Jesus, we don't strive for it, we don't work for it, we don't earn it, we live from it. And, and you see this all like through the life of Jesus. And there's so many ways we can break this down. For those of you that like structure, that like to take notes, for the sake of time this morning, I just want us to think about the, the profound work of the Father's love really just in two big buckets. The first one is the way that the love of the Father secures us in who we are. And the second is the way that the love of the Father sends us into the things that we were made for. That the love of the Father, when it's like really been revealed to you by the power of the Holy Spirit, is, it is both a securing force and it is a sending force. And before you can understand in your life, we have to see it in the life of Jesus. So I, I love the way you see the Father's love at work in the life of Jesus during his earthly ministry. Jesus, he was secured in the Father's love. I love this moment in, in John chapter two. I don't have this scripture up on the screen, but in John chapter two, it says that, that all of the people are beginning to praise Jesus, to, to give him encouragement. It said Jesus did not need their praise. He did not entrust himself to them because he knew what was in the heart of people. In other words, his security, his validity, his affirmation came from something beyond human beings because Jesus knew that unless he was secured in the Father's love, he would need to find love somewhere else. And so you see the way the Father's love just secured Jesus. And I'm just gonna tell you for the next 15 minutes, I'm just gonna waterboard you with scripture, okay? Like I'm just gonna give me a lot of scripture because I believe the word of God just does something that nothing else can do. 
But I love the way you see this in the beginning of Jesus's ministry, in the middle of Jesus's ministry, in the end of Jesus's ministry. Do you remember that moment in Matthew chapter three, verse 17? Uh, Jesus is 30 years old. He stepped onto the, the stage of public ministry. He has not preached a sermon, healed a sick person, forgiven a sin, died on the cross, raised from the dead, made a disciple, poured out the spirit. Jesus had not done yet any of the stuff that would get him all of the press. And at his baptism, the thing some of you will step into this week, God audibly speaks to him. And he says, this is my son whom I, help me out, somebody shout it out, whom I, whom I love. And with him, I am well pleased. Before Jesus had done anything, he was secured in the father's what? Help me out. Secured in his love. Who he was was determined not by what he was getting ready to do, but by who loved him. You see, later on in his ministry, he's facing opposition, and the religious leaders are coming against him, and they're doubting him, and man, it'd be so easy to be frustrated or swayed, and I'm just telling you, if I was Jesus in this moment, I would have just like, hey guys, I created you, I'm God, spoiler alert, you know, like I would have, I would have just used who I was to shut the conversation down, but in this moment of great strength, John chapter five, verse 20, I want you to look at this. What does Jesus use to validate his position? He says, for the Father, what? Helps me out, for the Father, love. Come on, I know it's the nine o'clock, but the Father <laughs> loves. The Father loves the Son. Jesus says, this is my source of strength. Is that I know who loves me. You see this at the end of his ministry, Matthew chapter 17, Jesus is up on a mountain, getting ready to descend that mountain, getting ready to come in to Jerusalem where he'll be falsely accused, where he'll die on a cross for the sins of humanity. And once again, God is gonna audibly speak, and I love what he says. He says, while Jesus was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, you know what to do now, whom I, whom I love. I love the way that he ends that. I'm well pleased, so listen to him. The validity, the security of Jesus's ministry was found in this continual revelation of the Father's love. It's what secured him, but it wasn't just what secured him, it's what sent Jesus. It was the thing that propelled him out of the comfort, the security, the joy of heaven, it was, he was sent by love. You know, one of the most famous passages in scripture, John three sixteen, for God so what? For God so, for God so loved the world that he gave or he, he sent his one and only son. I love it, you get into verse 17, look at verse 17. He says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Like I love this, Jesus says, you've gotta understand what it is that motivates this mission, that fuels this mission, that empowers this mission. It's not angst, it's not frustration, it's not fear, it's not political undertones. He says, here's what drives everything that I've done. It is the, come on, it is the, it's the love. It's a revelation of the Father's love. It's what secured Jesus. It's what sent Jesus. And it is at the heartbeat of any man or woman or community that claims the name of Jesus. I'm convinced that when this is present, 
our theology becomes something that people see and experience long before they hear it. And when it's not present, no matter what we say or do, we can't overcome it. That it is a manifestation, it is a revelation of the Father's love in a community of people that breaks down every barrier, every border, that transcends every difference. That there's something about the love of God in a community of people that has the ability to fundamentally change the world. I love the way that Jesus will talk about this in our own life. Because to be a disciple of Jesus means that you don't just think the right things or do the right things. It means that you and I are secured in that love. In John chapter 17, before Jesus goes to the cross, he's praying for his disciples. And then he begins to pray for you and I. And he prays so many really amazing things. But one of my favorite things is in John 17, verse 26. Look at this with me. He's talking to the Father. He says, Father, I've made you known to them, talking about you and I, and I will continue to make you known to them in order that the what? In order that the, that the love you have for me may, may be in them and that I myself may be in them. He says, here's what I'm after, is that these people who will one day follow you because of the message of the apostles would supernaturally experience the manifestation of the Father's love within them. This thing that we have, Jesus is talking to the Father. He says, Father, this thing that you and I have, this thing that we experience, that people would know that. And so Jesus is just trying to pray that into you. <laughs> I love the book of Hebrews says that Jesus lives to forever intercede for his people. Just like, you know, right now, Jesus is having a prayer meeting for us because like, this is going on. He's just, hey, Father, would you let them know your love? It's a securing reality. So the apostle Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter three. Some of you turned there 20 minutes ago. You're like, it's about time. He got to Ephesians three. <laughs> Thought you forgot it, Dave. I didn't forget it. Ephesians three, Paul I love this, he's, he's writing to this church that's in a secular, pluralistic society. People just like you and I, struggling to live out faithfully the ways of Jesus in a complicated world. And I love what Paul prays, look at Ephesians chapter three, verse 14, he says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, and I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power, through his spirit in your innermost being. So Paul says, what I'm praying here is gonna come about not through a sermon, not through three simple steps, not because you signed up for a small group. What I want for you only comes about when the very presence of God himself inhabits your being and begins to live inside of you. He says, I'm praying for a, a supernatural breakthrough here. Verse 17, he said, and this is why I'm praying this, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you being rooted and established in, in love may have power together with all of God's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the, come on, you know, is the love of Christ. And to know this love, guys, this is so key, that surpasses head knowledge. That's, that's what Paul is saying. He says, he says, a lot of you have the head knowledge of this, but in order to be a disciple, guys, in order to be a follower of Jesus, in order to be apprentice, you need more than head knowledge. You need more than an information transfer. You need a supernatural 
opening up of the heart. Keep going to verse 19, so that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Guys, you realize like this is the longing of God for your life. It's not that you'd be a little better than you were last year or a little nicer, cuss a little less, drink a little less. It's not the, that's not the grand vision of God for your life. The grand vision of God for your life is that through the cross of Jesus, by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the context of community, that we would experience the full measure of Christ in us, the hope of glory crazy, audacious dream. I'm like, God, do you even know who I am? You've aimed too high, Lord. You've shot too high. But Jesus, it was true in his life that it was the love of the Father that, that secured him. And he looks at us and he prays it for us. And so Paul prayed for us because he knows that to be an apprentice of Jesus means we are people that don't just live for the Father's love, live to earn the Father's love, and come to bask and soak in the Father's love, but we live lives from it. It's one of the things that Sydney and I try to pray over our boys almost every single night. They're laying in their beds. And I'm like, God, would you help Micah and Jack and Judah to know how outrageous your love for them is? Would you help it to get deep in their bones? And would you help them to experience that love in this home and would they live the rest of their lives from it? Would you help them to be secure in what is <laughs> so they don't spend their whole life chasing love in all the wrong places? See, if we don't know that we're loved, we look for it from everyone and everything else. Our job, the opposite sex, validation of other people. There's this thing in us. He says, this is, this is the reality. Is that when you didn't know you were lost, your father was on a motorcycle. <laughs> transversing every back road, knocking on every door until you came home. And for some of you, he's still searching. See, it's, it's in the Father's love that we're secure, but it's not just that we're secure, it's in the Father's love that we are then sent. So, you know, the Christian enterprise is not a bunch of good people sitting around really enjoying each other, just like bas basking in the holy glow. Sometimes like when you're around Christians too much, that's what you think it is. But guys, you got a great purpose for your life. You've been sent on a rescue mission. Jesus said in John chapter 20, verse 21, he said, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. In the same way, like with this love, with this purpose, with this power, I'm sending you out. In that same way, you have a mission of love. It's what and so Paul says to the really jacked up church in, in Corinth, you know, so often I hear people say, I just wanna get back to the New Testament church. And then I read the New Testament church, I'm like, ah, that's pretty messy. <laughs> church in Corinth was messed up, but I want you to listen to the purpose that God had for their life. Second Corinthians chapter five. Starting in verse 14, he says, for it is Christ's love that compels us. Paul looks at this church, he says, he says, we're not motivated by 
angst. We're not motivated by fear. We're not motivated by political ambition. We're not motivated by, we just want to make things better for our kids when they grow up one day. He's like, he's like we're not motivated by, by those lesser things. He said, we are compelled by what? We're compelled by love. We're compelled by the, the love of God, verse 15. or uh, Yeah, verse 15, he says, because we're convinced that Jesus died for all. And that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one that died for them and was raised again. Guys, when there is a revelation of the Father's love in your life, something switches in you and you go, I no longer live for myself. I no longer exist for myself, for my comfort, for my pleasure, for my desires. Something fundamentally shifts in you. Where you go, man, I, I was made. I was made for more. And it's the love of it's the love of the Father that propelled Jesus to leave the comfort of heaven. It's the, the love of the Father that compels us to move beyond the comfort of our own circumstances and our own answers to go to the places nobody else wants to go, to say the things nobody else wants to say, to do the things that nobody else is gonna do. It's the love of God. It's the love of God that moves us. Just a few more verses, verse 16. He said, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Guys, this is so amazing. So amazing what happens when the love of the Father comes in. It changes the way you view people around you. You no longer view people based upon their worst circumstances or their political affiliation or the color of their skin or their addictive behavior or the reality of their marriage. You don't see people for who they are. You see people for who they could become in Christ. And in a world marked with despair, you know how liberating it is to be in a community of people who see the God potential in you? <laughs> He says, when love settles in, when love comes all the way in, it doesn't just secure you, it actually shifts and shapes the way you see everybody else around you. He says, we no longer view people from a worldly point of view. Verse 17, so therefore, if anyone is in Jesus, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here, and all of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Jesus, who gave us this ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, I love this verse right here. Not counting people's sins against them. When I listen to Christians talk, I sometimes think we've forgotten the message. <laughs> Do you realize this is the message that we've been sent out with? Is that because of the extravagant love of God, you get to look at people in all of their mess and you don't go, oh, it's okay, just stay as you are. <laughs> But you look at people in all of their mess and you go, do you realize that Christ Jesus has done something on the cross so that all of your worst moments don't have to be held against you? And that your past does not have to define you. He says, we're compelled by the love of Jesus. We don't see people the way that the world sees them. Verse 20, and so we are therefore Jesus' ambassadors as a God, we're making his appeal through us. And so we beg you, we implore you, we long for you on Jesus' behalf. Be reconciled to God. Guys, I don't see that spirit in the church of America anymore. I don't see much of that longing. I don't see much of that begging. I don't see much of that imploring. But see, when the love of the Father touches you, when the love of the Father breaks you wide open, it doesn't just secure you, it sends you. Because we know, verse 21, that God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, something happens. Something happens in us 
when there's a revelation of the Father's love, when it goes beyond our mind, when the heart is opened up and we have that, oh my goodness, he has been on the motorcycle, he's turned over every rock, he has knocked on every door, he has pursued me relentlessly. When you realize that, guys, it secures you, but it sends you. And the reality is that kind of love, it doesn't just come about through your education. It comes about in the context of a supernatural encounter. It's not just information, it's impartation. It's not just religion, it's, it's revelation. It's God opening that up. And last night as I was just praying for you and I was just thinking, I thought, man, God, we don't need a sermon. <laughs> we need you by the power of the Holy Spirit to remind us again or to show us for the first time how much the Father loves humanity. And so here, here's what I wanna do for the next 10 or 11 minutes, we're gonna, we're gonna spend some time in groups praying together. And then we're gonna take communion and, and, and then we're gonna worship. But here's the way that we're gonna do this. If you're new here, we like to pray in groups. Some of you that are introverts are going, no, we don't like doing that. He makes us do it. Um, so <laughs> you don't have to pray in groups if you don't want to, it's okay. But I'm just telling you, something happens when we get in groups of two or three and we're just gonna pray into two or three prompts out loud. You can circle your chairs up. And so I wanna encourage you right now, if you're comfortable, to just kind of turn to the two to three people around you, and if you can circle your chairs up, do that. If not, just look at the people next to you and say, let's pray together. And if you don't wanna pray with the person next to you, just look at them and say, I don't wanna pray. Like, you know, I don't wanna pray with you. Like, I wanna be by myself, you know. And I think you're a heretic, I don't trust you. Whatever you wanna say to scare them off, you can do that, okay? So um, we're gonna pray together. Here's the first thing that we're gonna pray into. You can put, put this up on the screen. Take a couple of minutes, and we're just gonna pray first for our church. Hey, Father, would you please help us to know your heart more fully? Would you allow this church to have a supernatural revelation of your love? So I'm gonna give you just a couple of minutes. This is not time for discussion. It's not time to talk about the sermon. Just turn to the person next to you. We're just gonna take a couple of minutes, and let's pray that God would help us to know his heart more fully. And then I'll interrupt you, and I'll give you another prayer point here in a second. Just short, 20, 30 second prayers so the people around you can pray. Just, Father, help us to know your heart. You can continue to pray into that, but I wanna give you another thing to pray into if you're ready. It's not just that the Father would show us his heart more clearly, clearly but that the Father would actually give us his heart for the world. And so let's just pray, you know, it's what the scripture promises that he'll take out our heart of stone, he'll give us a heart of flesh, that he'll help us to love the things that he loves, cares, care about the things that he cares about. So let's just pray, not just for Ethos Church, but the church here in the city of Nashville, that, that God would just put his heart in his people for the world. So let's, let's pray that together out loud in groups. Let's pray for the Father's heart. I want to give you one more prayer point. You can keep praying into those two if you want, but we're going to turn our hearts outward. And we're just going to take a moment to pray for the people in our lives that need a fresh revelation of God's love. And so, Father, please reveal your heart to just fill in the blank. It can be a coworker, neighbor, friend, child, parent, spouse. It can be yourself. 
But I just want to encourage you, if, if you're comfortable to say the name or the names of the people out loud, if you're not comfortable, you be as vague as you want. God knows who you're talking about. But let's take a couple of minutes to pray for the people around us that there be a revelation of the Father's love in their life today. So let's pray right now for the people we love. If you're ready, I want to invite you to grab the communion elements. We're going to receive communion together. And so you can grab the communion elements. And I just invite you to stand up with me. And you can take off that top little plastic piece. You'll see a little, little wafer, a little piece of bread in there. And here's what I love is in the scriptures, after the resurrection of Jesus, there was something that supernaturally, miraculously would happen when the people of God would break the bread. They, their eyes would be opened to the Father's love, to the nearness of Christ among them. And so this, this morning, I just invite you to repeat a few short phrases after me as we receive communion together. And so just hold the bread out in front of you. Just repeat this after, after me. Jesus, we receive this bread as a demonstration of your love for us. Thank you for loving us. Let's receive the bread. I want you to open the cup and to hold it out in front of you. Repeat after me. Jesus, we receive this cup as a demonstration of your love for us. Thank you for loving us. Let's receive the cup. And we pray this prayer often, and as we're getting ready to go into a time of worship together, I want us to pray a prayer together. At any point over the next 10 or 15 minutes, if you want to receive prayer, maybe you're struggling to know the Father's heart, struggling to know the love of God. There's going to be some men and women over the Respond banner. We would love to just pray over you. We'd love to pray with you. And so at any point over the next 10 or 15 minutes, just come over to the right side of the room to my left. You'll see some men and women there that are eager to pray with you. But I just invite you to, to repeat this prayer as uh, we get ready to enter into this, this time of worship together. Just with, uh, even if you're struggling to believe it, I just invite you to just declare these words in hopes that God will help our hearts to catch up. And so let's declare this together. We are loved by God. We are secured in God's love. And we are being sent in God's love to show our city and to tell our city that they are loved by God too. Let's just pray this one more time. We are loved by God. We are secure in his love. We are being sent in his love to show our city and to tell our city that they are loved by God too. Look at someone next to you tell them, hey, you're loved by God. Like, look at them. Just say it, even if it's cheesy. I know if you look at somebody else on the other side and say, You're loved by God too. Let's worship the Lord together. If you want to receive prayer, there's some men and women at the Respond Banner that love to pray. I love you.